So the, the study we're doing today, hopefully everyone has a copy of the Kingdom of God study. And this is one of my favorite studies. I love it because it kind of begins to pull everything together. And I'm, I'm going to need everybody to really be quiet because there's like the echo in here. And so I, I can't tell if, if you guys can hear me or what's going on. So the Kingdom of God study is a great study. And um, it really pulls together. I love how it helps us to see how the Bible all comes together, the New Testament and the Old Testament. So what the purpose of it is to understand the role the church has as part of the kingdom of God. Also to understand our role in the church as part of the kingdom of God. And this study is like a mystery, like an Indiana Jones movie. You're going to find all these different clues and then it's going to all come together and you're going to seek that one prize that we're looking for, which is the answer. And some of the clues that you want to ask, first off, is does, do you think the Bible fits together? What is the kingdom of God? When did the kingdom start? And how do I get into the kingdom? And, you know, it, it, most people are like me. I didn't know the answer to any of those. A lot of people don't. And you'll find that as you study the Bible with people, a lot of people will not have, will know that. So this is really an important, informative study, okay? So, but at the end, you can tell them at the end of the study, we are going to answer all these questions, okay? So let's open our Bibles to Isaiah 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. So this scripture, this is about 750 BC when Isaiah prophesied about the coming of the kingdom. And what are some of the things that he said? That the kingdom, this, this kingdom will come, he says, in the last days. Okay? And secondly, he said, all nations will stream to it. And where will it begin? Jerusalem. Okay, so those are the first three clues that we, we're going to look at. The last day, all nations will stream to it and begin in Jerusalem. So you want to tell your friends when you're studying, okay, 
let's, we're going to, when we read, I want you to be thinking about those questions and if the scripture will answer these questions, okay? So let's turn to Daniel 2, 44. Daniel 2, verse 44, it says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Okay, here's another prophecy. This one, this prophecy of Daniel was in 550 B.C about the kingdom of God. And it says that the kingdom of God will endure forever. Okay? So let's review some of the clues and questions. When will the kingdom start? Who will be there? Where will it begin? And how long will it last? So you can ask your friends. So far, from what we've read, when will the kingdom start? Last day. Who will be there? All nations. Where will it begin? Jerusalem. And how long will the kingdom of God last? Forever. Okay, let's turn to Daniel 7, 18. But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Okay, so here Daniel again says the saints will possess it. The word saints means it's short for sanctified or set apart. You can ask your friend if they know what that means. I didn't know what it meant. I thought saint was only... Someone who was like a, a martyr or did some extraordinary thing. But God's people, Christians, disciples, are the saints of God. We are the ones that are set apart from the world. It says, if you, an example, if you have 24 apples but set aside eight, those eight will be set apart from the rest. Therefore, they're sanctified. And so that's something to really be excited about. That God has set us aside apart from the world. That's why it's so important that we don't uh, strive or become entangled in the world and caught up in the world and live a worldly life. Because God has set us aside for another purpose. Okay? And his saints will possess the kingdom of God. So these Old Testament prophecies, and there's, these are a few, but there's hundreds. And we're only looking at a few.
few, but when you go back and you read the Bible yourself and you read some of the Old Testament, and I would encourage your friends to do a lot of this reading on their own as well, uh, to go back and so they can learn and see how this fits together as well. That's the only way they're going to really get to convictions, ladies. You know, we can teach them, but it's what they're going to do on their own. And I really want to emphasize that to you to teach that. that, And share from your own life how you came to understand the scriptures over the years and how you've grown in your knowledge of the scriptures and deepened your convictions about the word of God and your love for God. It's through reading the word. So now we're going to look at some of the New Testament clues as well. And just to review the clues, when will the kingdom start? Last days, who will be there? All nations. Where will it begin? Jerusalem. How long will the kingdom last? And who will possess it? Thanks. Easy. Easy study. I know when I first became a Christian, I was so afraid to do this study, but now I love to do it. It, it, It's really simple. Okay, so let's turn to the New Testament, Matthew 3, 1 through 6. And it's really, I like to do this after discipleship because, you know, when you, you're like, okay, I want to be a disciple, but you have to really kind of understand it's more than just being a disciple. That we want people to understand that they need to be a part of God's kingdom. And they need to know what that is. What does that look like? How do I get into the God's kingdom? So it's very important. It's, it's just not okay to just be like, okay, I'm a disciple. So this And this will tie together for a lot of people. We are in Matthew 3, 1 through 6. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So according to the, I'm sorry, through six, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. So here we have John the Baptist who's preaching about Jesus. He's teaching people about repentance, and he's baptizing people. But according to this, he said, Repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of God is near. So at this point, when John is preaching and baptizing and calling people to repent, has the kingdom, is the kingdom here yet? No. No. It's near though, but it's not there. Matthew 4, verse 17. Matthew 4, 17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, so here we have Jesus starting his ministry, preaching and teaching to all the people, and he's telling them again, repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is near. So is it here yet? No. no. So it's still not here. Let's turn to John 3, 1 through 7. John 3, 1-7 Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter the second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Okay. So here, Jesus is talking again about the kingdom of God, and he's talking about how to enter the kingdom. So this is a very important clue, and I really clue in on this and really uh, ask questions and make sure they understand this point, because it's a very important point. And he says... Um, if you want to enter the kingdom, you must be born of water and the Spirit. So that's a clue. So when we start answering some of the questions, that's something we're going to look at. We're going to come back and visit. Somehow we have to come in contact with water and the Spirit. And we're going to see that a little bit later. So we're going to be looking for that. And you can also explain that scripture they may not understand. What does this mean? And, you know, you can explain to them it's going to be a spiritual rebirth. And, uh, and then the scripture we're going to look at further along will explain it more. Okay? Mark 9, verse 1. Mark 9, verse 1, And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. So Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. And here again, he's saying, some of you here will see it. It will come in your lifetime. But at least one of you will not be here to see it. At least one of you will die that's with me, of the twelve disciples before the kingdom comes, okay? Okay, so review. When will the kingdom start? Last day. Who will be there? Where will it begin? How long will it last? Who will possess it? 
Did it come during Jesus' ministry? No. Will all 12 disciples be alive when the kingdom starts? No. Okay. Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Now there was a man named Joseph, 
a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Okay, so here, this is even after Jesus' death. Has the kingdom arrived yet? No, we're still waiting for the kingdom. Luke 24, 44 through 49. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Okay, this is a big one. So here, Jesus has risen from the dead, and he has been talking to the, the disciples and opening up their minds and helping them to understand. That's something I need to pray for every day. Jesus, open up my mind. Help me to understand your will and your, and your scriptures and your life. So he says, so here, we're going to look, start to break it down from here. But here, these are the things that had to happen. Christ had to suffer, die, and raise on the third day. That happened. So that happened already. But now he says, repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So remember, that's what we're looking for. All nations at Jerusalem... You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on top. So he's talking about, you know, this is when the kingdom is about to come. And he's going to give them the power of the Holy Spirit. And usually what I do is, I, after this, I usually read most of Acts. I usually will go ahead and read Acts 1 and 2. It's, it's a bit of much to read. We won't read it tonight for time's sake. I'll just point out the, the certain things. But I like to go ahead and read the whole thing because I want them to really under, get the picture of what's happening here, that, uh, that why they all came together in uh, Jerusalem for the Pentecost, which was a celebration it's when all the, the God-fearing religious Jews would come together from all over the world to celebrate Pentecost. And so that is what's happening here. So they're here from all over, and you'll see they're from all nations. So let's go back, though, right now and kind of go over some specific scriptures. But remember, when you do it, you want to read the whole thing. 
and explain to them what Pentecost is or ask them, did you understand, do you know what Pentecost is? Do you understand what's going on here? And you can explain that to them. But starting in Acts 2, verse 17, Peter gets up and he addresses the crowd. So remember, who has the keys? Peter. So he is going to be the one that is going to give the message. He is the one that's going to open the door to the kingdom of God to all nations. Because up to this point, it was just those who had been in Jerusalem who had witnessed it. Was there those small? It was like what I think the Bible says, just a, twenty-one disciples, a small number. Everyone else had left. But now God is going to give them a lot of power from the Holy Spirit. In verse seventeen, He says, "In the last days, God says, I will pour out My Spirit on all people." Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Okay? Well, let me just back it up a little bit. Because first, in verse 2, you see here in, in verse 1, if you look on the day of Pentecost, the apostles were in a room, and the Holy Spirit came and overtook them, like it blew the windows open, the doors flew open, it was very powerful. Okay, and remember Jesus said that God was going to send you power from on high. And it says that t- tongues of fire was on their head, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then in 5 it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galilean? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declare the wonders of God in, in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. So here, they're speaking to this all nation, but they're speaking in tongues. And it's not the speaking of tongues that some people today do or claim to do that's just gibberish. And they actually, these people from foreign countries could actually understand them, even though... They were just speaking their language. They could hear them in each language. It was amazing. It would be if, if I went to Africa and I was speaking English, or I went to France and speaking English, but everyone could understand me, even if they didn't know my language. So that's amazing. So we see that happening. Remember when he said, all nations were going to be there. They're there. Uh, he said Peter was going to have the key.
keys. Peter is preaching the message. In Acts 2, verse 5, we read that. And it's in Jerusalem, verse 5 also. And then let's look down to 39. 2, verse 39. But before that, actually, I this is a I want to I know it's not pointed out on here, but this is something too that I think is really important to go over when you read to go back over to them. Very important in verse 22, when Peter says, "Men of Israel, listen to this: Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him." As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so here, I, I kind of make sure they understand this point that they understand that you believe here that Jesus was from God. And he, he proved it because he did wonders and signs amongst the people. And he says this man was handed over to you by God's purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death. And this is important. Peter preached. These people had never heard about Jesus. They were not there the day of the cross. But he still says, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. You handed him over. And this is very important to explain to the person you're studying with that we, all of us, are guilty. We all put him to death because of our sin. We all nailed him to the cross with the help of wicked men. Yeah, we weren't there. We didn't nail the, the, the nails in. We didn't beat him personally, but our sins did. And so I point this out. With the help of wicked men. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. So all these things, it's important to to make note of. And then in Acts 39, he says, actually, let's go up. I like to start in 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So he's saying here in verse 39, it talks about the promise for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So again, we see this is for generations and generations. Until Jesus comes back. He's saying, pass this on to every generation. But also, the important thing here is 
he preaches about Jesus being Lord in Christ. And he says to them, okay, if you believe in this, and you believe in Jesus, you have to make him your Lord and your Savior. If someone is your Lord, what does that mean? He's your master. Yes, he's in control. He's your master. Now, that's one part of it, Lord. Savior is, he is the Christ. He is the one that is going to save you from your sins. And so it's very important to make this point out to people, if you are going to accept this in, the, in being a part of the kingdom, you first, as a disciple, you have to accept him, be a disciple, and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And automatically, as Lord, that all the things we learn about discipleship, we have to put into practice. When he says, come follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. And Savior, he wants to not only be our Lord, but he wants to save us, save us from our sins. And we're going to look at how he says to do that. So it says, again, he says, you crucified him. You crucified each and every one of us. So important to see that I did this to my own Lord and my own Savior. And then he says, when the people heard this, they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And that is the response that God and Jesus is looking for from all of us. When they realized that they had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ and Savior, they were cut. They were like, oh no. What do we need to do to make this right? How do we make this right? And this is where Peter is going to teach them. When the people, okay, Peter replied in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So remember Jesus said we were going to teach about repentance and forgiveness of sins? He says, And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are on. Okay, baptism, we know baptism means to be immersed in water. Baptizo means you're going to go under the water. So he's saying you have to be baptizo, you have to get under the water, and that is when you will receive, you will receive forgiveness for your sins. But you can't just get under the water, you've got to make Jesus Lord. You've got to repent. You've got to acknowledge him as your, his, you, he is your savior. You have to be a disciple. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay? So, this is really good, especially if someone is not really sure about discipleship. Like, am I a disciple? Well, yeah, I think so. Well, okay, let's look at all these things. And this is, you know, if you're a disciple, you're going to be in the kingdom of God. And this is important that we, you understand and you follow this. Did this happen in your life? Did you 
make Jesus Lord of your life? Did you uh, acknowledge, is he your Savior? Did you repent of your sins? And repent means if you're going this way, you're going to turn totally around and go the opposite direction. So if you're stealing, you will stop stealing. If you are immoral, you will stop being immoral. If you are a thief, you will stop stealing. If you are, you know, impure, if you, you know, a corrupt person, at that moment, you will stop doing those things. And you will turn around because you have made Jesus Lord of your life. Okay? And according to Peter, he says you have to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And then remember back in John when we talked about Jesus said, you cannot enter the kingdom unless by water and the spirit. So I bring back this point. Okay, remember when he talked about water and the spirit? What do you think this is right here? Do you think this is the water and the spirit that Jesus is talking about? See, he preached it. And here again, Peter is preaching it, right? So, born of water and the spirit, Peter has the key, the thankful possessor, it will endure forever. It began in Jerusalem, all nations, in the last days. Okay, now let's look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. So, 42 through 47 says, after 3,000 were added to their number that day, so 3,000 people decided to become disciples. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Okay. So this is the establishment of the kingdom of God here on earth. It is described as the church in Acts 2.42. The believers who are the saints, they were devoted. What were they devoted to? The apostles' teaching, yes, which is the Bible. The fellowship, being around other disciples and being around one another. They were family, breaking of bread, communion, and prayer. And it says that God blessed them and added to their numbers daily. So, where do you find a group of committed disciples or saints? Church. This is where we fellowship together. We come together. We, who are disciples and a part of this church and God's kingdom, we made Jesus Lord. We are disciples. We meet together. We take communion. We follow the Bible. We are in each other's lives. We pray together. All these things make up the church. Okay? And then in Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God, it talks about 
seeking the kingdom first. Matthew 6.33 But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I just want to encourage us to continue to be committed to the kingdom of God, to be committed to God's church. Because God's church is not a building, it's us. We are the church. We, each one of us, make up the church. His people. We are the kingdom of God. We are the same that are that will possess the kingdom of God. And we want to help as many people as possible to know his kingdom, to know how to get into his kingdom, and how to stay a part of his kingdom. Because if we are in his kingdom in heaven, are we going to be in his kingdom? I mean, if we are in his kingdom here on earth, will we be in his kingdom in heaven? Yes. Because what did he tell Peter? What's bound on earth is bound in heaven. If we are not and do not want to be a part of his kingdom on earth, why would we want to be a part of his kingdom in heaven? No. It, we won't be. We won't, why would we want his, if we don't want his righteousness and goodness and love and obedience now, will it be any different later? No. So it's so important for us now to take this seriously while we're here on this earth. Because we don't want God to say, I don't know you. You are not in my, part of my body. Because when we are the church, we are the body of Christ. That's what brings us together. The blood of Christ. And so we are his body. We represent his, his body. So anyway, closing up. I challenge, be committed to the kingdom, attend all the services, and continue to read your Bible daily. And the next study we're going to teach is going to be about repentance. Because in the study, we kind of touched on repent and be baptized. So now we're going to teach you what that means. How can you really repent? We're going to talk about what we need to repent of. And we're going to teach you how to do that. And how do you know that you're actually repentant and can be in, and when you can be in, or how to be in the kingdom of God. Okay? Amen. That's the study.